Well, good morning, church. What a great morning, great time of worship. Beautiful day outside, beautiful inside just to be together and to be worshiping our God. This morning, we come to the conclusion of a really great series, a series called The Kings. And I've loved this series. We've been diving into the Old Testament, looking at some of the kings in the Old Testament and what we can learn from their lives and what we can learn from how they led back in their day and their time and their generation and what God wants to do in our lives today. Now, we've said this, that everything rises and falls on leadership. And it's so true, isn't it? I mean, you look around at your workplace, you look around at your kid's school, you look around at HOAs, you look around at the nation, you look at everything, everything rises and falls on leadership. And so what we've come back to this is that we are called to be spiritual leaders in our day and our time. And a lot of times we don't think of ourselves as leaders, but we are. If you're a parent, you're a leader. If you want to be a parent one day, you're a leader here at church. You're a leader in the community. You're a leader at your workplace. You are called to be a spiritual leader. And spiritual leadership is about moving people onto God's agenda. About us being involved and not just building our own kingdoms and not just bringing glory to ourselves, but us being a part of what God is doing in the world today and us living for the glory of God. And so we have this incredible calling, this incredible responsibility to be spiritual leaders in our day, in our time, in our generation. Now we've looked at some kings thus far, right? The first king we studied was a guy named King Solomon. And we saw God's call to faithfulness faithfulness. I mean, Solomon started off so well and you're thinking, way to go, man, you're going to do great. And then he just drifted from God. It was the women, it was the, the wealth, it was the things of the world and he just drifted away. And it's so easy in our lives to drift, to drift into the things of the world. It takes discipline to pursue God. But for all of us, we have this call to faithfulness, this call to be the men and women that God has called and created us to be all the days of our lives. The second king we looked at was a king named Jeroboam. And we saw God's call to character. And Jeroboam, as his leadership increased, he didn't have the character to sustain that. And for all of us, our leadership is going to continue to increase through the years. I mean, some God's going to bless you with children or multiple children or with grandchildren. Or God's going to bless you with promotions at work. Or God's going to bless you in different ways. And can your character sustain that? Are you diving into the word? Are you staying strong in the word of God so that you have the character to support the leadership that God gives you? To be the spiritual leader that God's called and created you to be. We we saw another king, right? As we went through King Asa. King Asa, man, I love this guy. Because he entered into a time of spiritual decay in the nation of Israel. And yet, he stood up for what was right. Asa, you know, we said God's called to engage. Leaders lead. That's in the name. Leaders lead. And this guy confronted generational sin. He even stood up to his own grandmother. Remember that? You know, And he said, you know what? We're going to live for the glory of God. And Asa did that. He impacted an entire nation. We saw King King Ahab. And we saw the call to godly influence. And we said, who's influencing you? Who are the people that you're listening to in your life? Because we're all listening to somebody. Who are we listening to in our life? Where are we being led in our lives? Who's influencing us and who are we influencing? And then we saw a king named Hezekiah. Oh, I love Hezekiah, right? I mean, just this, this great king. And he was a king. And we saw God's call to prayer. And God's called to expect God to do miracles. And so I would ask you, you know, what are you praying about in your life? What are you expecting God to do that's bigger than what you can do? What are you expecting God to do in your life? Last week, King Manasseh. And King Manasseh, I mean, he started off terrible, 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 terrible. But by the grace of God, he came back to God. And and for all of us as leaders, we're going to make mistakes. We all are. You know, none of us are perfect here, right? This isn't a perfect church. If you're looking for a perfect church, this isn't it. None of us are perfect here. We're going to make mistakes in our life. But what do we do in those mistakes? 
Do we admit those mistakes? Do we turn back to God? Do we receive the grace that God gives to us? And do we continue to lead and follow God all of our days? So today, our last king. Oh, I love this guy. So I'm excited about today. His name's King Josiah. King Josiah. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to open with me to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 22. And uh, we're going to unpack the word of God there today. Maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the scriptures online and follow along with what God's word has to say as we look at King Josiah. Now, I don't know if you've realized this, but we have covered a lot of scripture <laughs> in this series. I mean, when you look at the kings, you're looking at first and second kings, that's Saul and David. You're coming in, uh, I mean, first, second Samuel, and then you're looking at first and kings, first and chronicles. So you're looking at a large part of scripture there. You're looking at, you know, the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, were during this time, the minor prophets during this time. So you're looking at a large part of the Old Testament as God is preparing his people for the coming of the King of Kings, the Messiah, Jesus. We're going to celebrate Christ this morning, so I'm so excited today. Now, I want to put our chart back up here because I want us to learn just as we kind of think about these kings, as we continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with his word, just to have this perspective. And so you'll remember, and as we looked at the United Kingdom, the, the first three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon, were all with the United Kingdom. This was when Israel was at its prominence. This was when Israel was a world power. God had blessed them. They had come into the promised land under David, who was known as a man after God's own heart. You know, they basically won every battle. They fought. They were on a roll. And then Solomon comes to the throne, the wisest man that ever lived, the wealthiest man that ever lived, but he blew it, right? I mean, just in his life. And God said, if, if you're disobedient to me, Solomon, I'm going to divide the kingdom. And sure enough, that happened. And so you have the divided kingdom, you have the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom, there's 10 tribes, and there were 20 kings. We looked at Jeroboam, we looked at Ahab, but if you keep going down the list, there ends up being 20 kings before they're conquered by the Assyrians in 722 BC. And then the kingdom of Judah, and this is where the Davidic line continues on toward the Messiah. So you had Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa, but there are 19 kings as we come down to Josiah today. Now think about that, 42 kings in all. Under the divided kingdom, 39 kings, and only eight of those kings, only eight, are good kings. Out of 39 under the divided, only eight are good kings. There's not one good king in Israel in the northern kingdom, as you go through and read the word of God. Only eight, and then of those eight, only four are compared favorably to David. Only four are ones who said, yes, I don't live for God. And man, it's just so indicative of our world. It's so easy to say, yes, I want to follow, but it's so hard to daily discipline ourselves to say, we're going to be people who are passionate for God. We're going to be people who live for God. But those are the people who change the world. Those are the people that God uses in an incredible way. And that's the call that God has for us and the invitation that God has for us. And there was a guy named Josiah who got it. Pick up in chapter 22, verse 1. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became the king. How crazy is that, right? Eight years old when he became the king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. So the guy only lives 39 years. I mean, he's only 39 years old when he dies, right? It talks about his family, verse 2. It says this, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. This guy, he lived it, man. He lived it for God. Now, he becomes the king when he's eight years old. Anybody else here have an eight-year-old? I've got an eight-year-old. Eight-year-olds? Eight. Okay, I've got an eight-year-old daughter named Mabry. She's amazing, and I love her. 
But I can't imagine her running the nation, okay? I'm just like, that would be hilarious. I mean, it would be unbelievable. I mean, some of you are laughing because you know. Do you know I went through the ACS database that we have at the church? We have 138 eight-year-olds at Rolling Hills. Now, 138. There's a lot of eight-year-olds, by the way. I mean, that's why we're building more preschool children's student space, right? I mean, we have a lot of eight-year-olds. But there is something that happens in the life of an eight-year-old. I don't know if you think about this. I was eight years old when I accepted Christ in my life. Uh, I've watched uh, the development of my girls. You know, I've got a 10-year-old, I've got an 8-year-old, I've got a 5-year-old. And, and they're all just incredible and amazing. But there is something at eight. There's, there's a recognition at eight. There's this development that happens in an 8-year-old. And, and I think for Josiah, you know, he's doing all the cool king stuff. He's learning how to, you know, fight with a sword. He's learning how to shoot arrows. He's learning how to ride on horseback. And I mean, you know, he's just getting to do all this cool stuff. But there was an inner working that God was doing in his life. And he's studying these past kings, right? He's going back and he's researching, he's studying, he's looking. And there's people pouring into him. They're training him. And I think when he looked at David, and he looked at his great, 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 great grandfather back there, David. And he said, I want to live like that. I want to be a man after God's heart like that. You see, Josiah didn't have a great dad. In fact, his dad died when he was eight years old. That's why he was made the king. His dad only ruled for two years and he did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. He was a bad king. But Josiah said, you know what? I I want to be like that. I want to be like my great, 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 grandfather. And the legacy that David had left and passed on to the generations Now, I'm thankful for the people who poured into Josiah's life when he was eight. Because you know he wasn't running the country at eight. You know, there were godly men and women who came around him. And I think for us as a church, I mean, you you think about, I mean, 138 eight-year-olds. I mean, you know, back there, preschool children, you are the ones that are pouring into the future leaders. If you're a parent, man, you you have an incredible privilege, an incredible opportunity. And I know life gets busy, I know life gets hard, and it gets challenging and difficult. But don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity to pour into your child spiritual things. It's not just how to kick a soccer ball and throw a football. It's also how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And for us as a church, that we have the opportunity to raise up a generation that's going to be the leaders in our community. It's going to be the leaders in our country, the leaders of the world. And they're right back there. And Josiah was this man. Now, you can imagine coming to the throne at eight years old and the fear that he had. I mean, the Assyrians had conquered the northern kingdom. The Babylonians have been threatening Jerusalem. He's coming into a time of uncertainty. He's coming into a time, and you've got to imagine, this guy's afraid. But he says, I'm going to hold on to God. I'm going to hold on to God. I'm going to hold on to God. If you keep going, look at verse 3. It says, in his 18th year of this reign. Now, so he's 26 years old, okay? Eight years old when he becomes the king, but at 26, he really steps into his spiritual leadership. In his 18th year of his reign... King Josiah sent the secretary Shaphan, the son of Aziliel, and the son of Mesalum, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons. Also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are acting faithfully. So the first thing he does, right, at 26, is his spiritual leadership. He steps into it. He says, hey, let's go work on the temple. 
Let's go work on the temple. Now, the temple had been in disrepair. I mean, it had just gone downhill, right? Under Manasseh and then under his dad, Ammon. I mean, there were idols in the temple. There was even an Asheroth pole in the temple. I mean, people weren't going to the temple anymore to worship God. And Josiah says, hey, we've got to put some energy and some effort in this. I need to be there at the temple, but I also need our community to come and to worship at the temple. So he spends his time working at church. I mean, he invests his time, his energy, and his resources. He he just puts energy into growing the church because he knows the impact it's going to make, not only in his life, but in the life of the nation. And I love that at 26. You know, we have a young church here at Rolling Hills. I look around, a lot of you, I mean, there's many of you here who are 26. Our average age is 32. (laughs) And it would be easy to say, you know what, I'm going to wait to lead when when I'm older. I'm going to wait to lead, you know, when I get to be a grandfather and then I can impart this wisdom. And, you know, I mean, I'm going to do that. This is your time. Your time to lead is now. Your time to step up into spiritual leadership is now. It says in the New Testament, the Bible says, Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and impurity. And that you and I have this calling, and it's now. It's not, I'm going to wait till I get everything figured out. I'm going to wait till I know more about the Bible. I'm going to wait till I got everything perfect in my life. I'm going to wait till my bank account has enough money. I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. No, that's a lie from Satan. Your time is now. And your call is now. Regardless of what age you are, and Josiah stepped up at 26 and says, I'm going to be the leader that God's called me to be. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. You know, the local church is the hope of the world. And God has entrusted us with an incredible gift and an incredible call. Josiah put his energy and his effort and they went in and they started cleaning up the temple and look what happened. It says, Hilkiah, the high priest said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. Now imagine that the country and the nation had fallen so far that they didn't even have the book of the law. They had to go in and start doing work on the temple and they found it. And what is the book of the law? The book of the law is the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the book of the law. And while they're cleaning up and they're doing repairs, they find the book of the law. They're like, wow, check it out. This is how God wants us to live. This is God's story. You think about Genesis, creation, then the fall of man, but God's plan to redeem mankind. God sent Abram and this call, come, I'm going to raise up a people for myself, a people that I'll bring the Messiah. You think about Exodus, Exodus and God delivering his people out of a land of slavery and saying, come on, I'll be your God. You be my people. I'm bringing salvation to the world. I'm bringing salvation for the glory of God. You you think about Leviticus, right? And the law and how to live because these people were slaves. They didn't know how to live. They didn't know what was important, how to do things. You think about numbers and going out of slavery and coming into the promised land and the fear and the worry and the anxiety and God saying, I'm with you. Let's go. I will deliver you. You think about Deuteronomy as Moses imparts this wisdom and says to the people, here's how you prosper in the new land. Here's how you live as the people of God. And the people had gotten so far away from it that they didn't even have the book of the law. And they find the book of the law and they take it to Josiah. Josiah's like, whoa, wow. He starts to read and unpack it. And he does this incredible thing in 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 1. It says, then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And he went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and the people from the least to the greatest. 
And he calls everybody together. Guys, guys, look at this. This is incredible. This is awesome. It's the book of the word. It's God's truth. And he read. I love that. Notice that. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, regulations, and decrees with all of his heart and his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in the book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. See, spiritual leaders, they know and they grow in God's word. They know and they grow in God's word. And and, and I love what Josiah did. He said, guys, come together, man. We're going to reorder my life and we're going to reorder this nation around God's word. He brought them all together. Guys, listen. And did you notice that? That he renewed his commitment to God. He confirmed his pledge to God. And then all the people followed. That's what happens in leadership. That's what happens. And when you step out, it impacts so many other people. I just wonder for us, it's so easy for for God's word to get lost in our lives, isn't it? In the busyness and the craziness and the chaos of our lives, it, it's so easy for the, for the word to get lost and to put on the shelf. And, to, and we kind of go and try to figure it out. And then we call out to God, God, help. And God's saying, I am. I'm speaking to you. And J. Vernon McGee, that great theologian, he said this, everybody wants to hear audibly from God. But if God were to speak audibly today, he would have to repeat himself because he's written it all down. I mean, I'm thinking, yes, we don't even just have five books. We've got 66. We don't just have the Old Testament. We've got the New Testament, right? We've got God coming. We've got the Holy Spirit to interpret for us. We've got the Comforter. And so many times our life can be busy. And we can forget about the Word. Here at Rolling Hills, we're taking a next step as a church. We're growing as a church. And, and one of those... Next Steps initiatives is about the Word of God. We're reading through God's Word over a 24-month period. And I want to encourage you. Maybe you've started off taking this daily step. And maybe you've gotten off track. Grace. Okay? Grace. But just start again. We're reading a passage out of the Old Testament, a passage out of the New Testament. It's fantastic. You can download the Rolling Hills app. You can get it on your phone every morning. You know, I'm looking on my phone, man. I just read God's Word. I love it. You can pick up a Bible. If you don't have a Bible at Info Central, we have a study guide for you. But when you and I daily begin to reorder our lives around God's word, it transforms us and it transforms the people around us. And Josiah at 26 said, that's the way I'm going to live my life. That's what's going to be important. And for all of us, we have this call as a spiritual leader. And the Bible says that this, it says all scriptures God breathed. All scriptures God breathed, you know? And it's useful for, for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That the man of God, the man or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, if you're a carpenter, you don't go to work without your hammer and your drill, right? If you're a banker, you don't go to work without your financial calculator, Unless you're super smart, right? Yeah. If you're a football player, you don't go into the game without your pads and your helmet. You're going to get annihilated. If you're a believer, you don't go through life without God's word and without prayer. That the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. And you and I, this call back to the word. That's why every Sunday we, we talk about the word of God. It's not simply pop psychology. It's not somebody's opinion. We're going, what does the word of God say? How do we reorder our lives around God's word? How do we live for God's word? And Josiah, he stepped up and he read the word. Now, I love that. 
I love that he didn't call the high priest and go, hey, high priest, come here. Can, can you read the word to the people? Because there's a lot of hard words to pronounce in the Old Testament. And uh, I don't want to read it because I know I'm going to butcher those names. And so can you come read this? Josiah said, you know what? I don't care about that. I'm going to step up and read it. And if you're a parent, and I'm a parent right there with you, you know, have your kids heard you read the word? If you're a grandparent, if your grandkids heard you read the word, I'm sure they've heard you read Dr. Seuss, right? I'm sure they've heard you read so many other books, but, but have they heard you, have they heard me read the word? And it's not just that we have the Old Testament where there are all these hard words to pronounce. We've got the New Testament too. We can start diving into Philippians and Colossians. We can go back into the Gospels. We, have they just heard us read? There's something happens in our lives, there's something that happens in our family. There's something that happens in our community. There's something that happens around us when we dive into the word of God. And Josiah did. Josiah did. You know, I think Josiah, when he read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and he comes to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and he heard Moses say this. Moses said to the people, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase. Then you will live and and increase. Not only will you live, you're going to thrive. You're not just survive, you thrive. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day, that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day, this day, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I think Josiah read those words and said, yes, yes, I choose life. I know to succeed. I know to be the man that God's calling me to be, the spiritual leader God's calling me to be. I choose life. I choose to reorder my life and to reorder my family and to reorder our nation around God's word. And I pray for us today. You know, Josiah, he... He then started to do it. He went through and he started cleansing all the, the temple from the idols and all the nation out of the idols. He started getting rid of those things. I mean, he did something that only God could empower him to do. He stepped into this role as a spiritual leader. He prayed, he encouraged, he prepared the people. And you know what he was doing? He was fulfilling his destiny. I love this. Now, this is just a little side note. You know, I kind of geek out on scripture and I get real excited about it. But if you go back to 1 Kings chapter 13, and you remember when we studied King Jeroboam, King Jeroboam was this terrible king under, you know, Israel. He was the king after the nation was divided. And he built the golden calves for the people to worship and led the people astray. And God sent a prophet. This is 300 years before Josiah. 300 years before Josiah is even born. God sends a prophet to Jeroboam. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 13, by the word of the Lord, a man of God came to Judah, to Bethel, as Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. So this is that pagan temple. And he cried out against the word of the Lord. O altar, or altar, this is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born in the house of David. 
And on you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who are now offering, making offerings there. And human bones will be burned on you. 300 years before, God said, I'm going to raise up a guy who's going to get it. I'm going to raise up a man who's going to live for my name. That's amazing. You see, God has a plan for every one of our lives. Every one of us. And as you and I step up and be the spiritual leaders that God has called us to be, we're fulfilling that plan of God. And it's so easy for us to drift. It's so easy for us to get caught up in the things of the world. And yet God has a plan and a very specific plan and a very specific purpose for you. And your faithfulness to God is going to impact so many others. Josiah calls the people together and he does something really cool. It says, then the king gave this order to all the people, celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as it is written in the book of the covenant. Now, as you go back in the book of the law, God said, you know, when I deliver my people out of Egypt, there's gonna be these 10 plagues, right? And remember they were slaves in Egypt and Moses goes down and says, Pharaoh, let my people go, God says. And Pharaoh's like, are you kidding me? I've got a million slaves that are building all my stuff. There's no way that I'm just going to let them go. I'm getting this work for free. That's nuts. And Moses goes, well, watch this. And God starts bringing these plagues. Plague, 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 plague. The 10th plague. Remember it? The death angel. And God told his people. He said, listen, 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 listen. You go out and you kill a lamb and you put the blood over the doorpost of your home because tonight the death angel's coming. Now that sounds weird to us today, but you know, you think about back then, I mean, that was livestock. That's the way they lived. That's what they did. And and so he said to his people, you put the blood over the doorpost of your home. The death angel will come and the death angel's gonna come tonight. And if you are covered in the blood, the death angel will pass over. And sure enough, that night, you know, as all these families, can you imagine that? All these families, you know, parents and grandparents and children, they're all gathered, they're huddled together and they hear the wind and they hear the death angel coming over and then they start to hear the cries as people in Egypt and their firstborn is dying and then Pharaoh rises up and says, leave, go, your God is truly God. And the people walked out that night. And God said, you tell the people every year they celebrate the Passover. Every year, remind them of my faithfulness. Remind them that I'm the one who can deliver them. Remind them that I am greater than anyone in the world, that I am the king of kings. And they have forgotten to celebrate the Passover. And so Josiah says, guys, we're going to celebrate the Passover. We're going to remember. And they celebrated together. And it says, not since the days of the judges who led Israel north, throughout the days of the kings of Israel, And the kings of Judah had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18th year, 26 years old of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. And they worshiped and they celebrated. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of all the mediums and the spirits, the household gods, the idols, and all the other detestable things seen in Judah and Jerusalem. This he did to fulfill the requirements of the Lord written In the book, Hilkiah, the priest, had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him, who turned to the Lord as he did with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. Oh, I pray that can be said about all of us, right? Neither before nor after was there a man or woman who turned to God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their passion, 
for the glory of God, who lived their life to the full, who made a difference for God's name in their day and in their generation. In King Josiah, we see the power of one. One person, just one, committed to God all of their days. Josiah wanted to live his life for the glory of God. He wanted to live his life all of his days for the glory of God, and he did. You think about the power of one. I think about people like Mother Teresa. You know, Mother Teresa at eight years old, her dad died, just like Josiah. And Mother Teresa had a choice to make, you know. Her dad passed away. Is she going to live a life of resentment or bitterness toward God? Or is she going to step out and do what God had called and created her to do? She went to India, worked with the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. She changed the nation. She changed the world. The power of one. I think about somebody like William Wilberforce. At the age of 26, the same age as Josiah, when Josiah stepped into his role as a spiritual leader, William Wilberforce, at the age of 26, gave his life to Christ, said, I'm going to fully surrender my life. Everything for you, God. Everything. He was serving in the English parliament at the time. It would have been easy for him to just say, you know what, I've got it made, I've got money, I've got power, I've got prestige. I'm just going to kind of drift on out of my life. I'm going to fade away. Nobody's ever going to know about me, but I'm going to live a life of luxury. But no, at the age of 26, he stepped up and he said, you know what, I've got to confront this idol of slavery. It's not right, it's wrong, and I'm going to stop it by the grace of God. And he spent his entire life doing it. And it was abolished in England just before he died. Changed the nation. Change the world, the power of one. I think about a man like Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. lived only 39 years. Same amount of time as Josiah. Only 39 years. Changed the nation. Changed the world. The power of one. You and I, what are we going to do with the time we're given? What difference are we going to make? How are we going to live? There's a great life verse. If you don't have a life verse, I want to recommend a life verse to you today. It comes from Joshua 1, 8, 9. I want to put this up on the screen because I think this is such a powerful verse. And I want you to see this. And let's, in fact, let's read this aloud together. Are you ready? One, two, three. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wow, what a verse. What a verse and what a God. You know, we live at a time when it seems like fear abounds, doesn't it? And just kind of like Josiah, I mean, there was so much fear and uncertainty. There's so much fear and uncertainty today. I can say words like Ebola. ISIS, stock market volatility. And all of us, we kind of tense up because it's the fear that we live in. And God has called us to be the spiritual leaders in this day and this time. And God has asked us, are you going to live a life of fear? Are you going to live a life of faith? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to hold on to me? Because I am for you and I believe in you and I am greater than anything that you're going to face in this world. And you're the spiritual leader. You're the man, you're the woman that I've called and created you to be. All of these kings have been incredible to study. But all these kings are just a precursor to the king of kings. The one who came and changed everything. 
that Jesus Christ came and is ruler over all. And this morning we have the incredible privilege to celebrate and to honor our King of Kings. And to think about our lives and the commitment that we've made and our faithfulness and our call and our leadership and our responsibility. It tells us in scripture that Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he, he took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said to his disciples, guys, you're the spiritual leaders. <laughs> guys, this is my body broken for you. For you. I'm going to pay the price for you. I've given you a calling. I've given you a purpose for you to live. And I will die so that you can live. After supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant. You were under the old covenant where you sinned, where you messed up. And you were alienated from God because you had a holy God and now a sinful man. And, and you were done for. But Jesus said, this cup, it's my blood poured out for you. I'm paying the price. I'm paying the price. And when you put the blood over the doorpost of your heart, <laughs> the death angel will pass over. Life in Christ. Hope in Christ. Joy in Christ. Peace in Christ. Take and drink in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so this morning we have the privilege to come to the king of kings. To say, God, you are the true king. And God, all of my life, I submit to you. Father, I want to be yours. I want to follow you. I want to know you. There's two tables that are set up in the front. There's a table on this side and a table on this side. And we're going to share communion together. This is a gluten-free table over here. I'm going to invite some of our A6 men, some of the spiritual leaders in our church, if they'll come to the tables and be ready to serve you. And as you come to the table, they'll offer the plate. Christ's body, broken for you. As you break off a piece of the bread, I want you to just listen. Listen as it's broken and think about the sacrifice that Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, made for you. Think about that. That you were dead in your sins and your transgressions. You, were, you didn't have a chance. You didn't have a hope until Christ paid the price. Until Christ made a way. If you'll break off a piece of the bread... And then dip into the cup. His blood poured out for you. And today, just thank God for his grace, his mercy, and his love. I don't know where you are today, but this isn't my invitation. This isn't the invitation of Rolling Hills. This is the invitation of God himself to come to his table. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're invited to come. It doesn't matter what your background is, your denomination, whatever you grew up in. What matters is if you've committed your life to Christ. And you're willing to follow him all of your days. You're invited to come. So Father, here we are today. The spiritual leaders that you called and created us to be, Father. And Lord, so many times we feel inadequate. But God, today we come and we just lay it all before you. And we just say you are our God. And you are our King. And 
whether, God, we have 39 years on this earth or whether we have 70, 80, 90, or 100 years, God, we just want to live it all for your name and for your glory. We want to be found faithful, Father. And so, Lord, we, we come. We place our life in your hands. We place our family, our friends, your church, our work, your community. God, we give it all to you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we come today to worship and to receive and to commit. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we come. Amen. Amen. You're invited to come to his table.